Last July, Arizona regulators opened the country's first docket focused exclusively on transactive energy. In doing so, Arizona joined a host of other states and utilities in attempting to grapple with the opportunities and challenges associated with transactive energy. In a nutshell, transactive energy refers to the power and energy platform that facilitates decisions and transactions involving the generation, distribution, and consumption of power. For example, the ability of rooftop solar and electric vehicle owners to trade electricity and other energy services is one type of transactive energy. And as the energy system as a whole evolves to become cleaner and more distributed, the concept of transactive energy and how it could work in practice is becoming less and less abstract. Understanding transactive energy and its potential impact on utilities and customers will be our topic on this episode of Beyond the Electron, the Energy Cloud podcast series. I'm your host, Chris Warren, and I'm pleased to be joined today by two guests who have unique perspectives on this topic. With us today are Dan Bradley, a Managing Director in Navigant's Energy Practice. Dan has a particular expertise on emerging energy markets, technologies, and business models. He spent the past 20 years at Navigant working with clients to develop and operationalize strategies for investments, business initiatives, products, and professional services in the utility sector. Also with us today is Josh Wong. Josh is president and CEO of Opus One Solutions, a company that's deeply involved with helping utilities gain the visibility and control they need into their distribution systems in order to optimally manage distributed energy resources. Opus One has been in the news recently because it has teamed up with Illinois utility Ameren to test the viability of a transactive energy marketplace on a microgrid and evaluate the use of blockchain ledger systems. Well, welcome to you both. Thanks, Chris. Happy to be here. Thanks, Chris. Okay, Dan, I'd like to start with you. There's been a lot of discussion in the utility industry lately about blockchain. Can you help us connect the dots between blockchain and transactive energy? All right, so transactive energy, it's a concept that's been around for a couple of decades, mostly in the academic and public sectors. And Navigant uh, Research has defined transactive energy as a power system in which economic or market-based platforms are used to make decisions involving the generation, distribution, and consumption of power. In other words, a two-way grid management approach that addresses this future need. Well, in and around the 2014, 15, 16 timeframe, we began to see the convergence of a couple of technologies. And that's the convergence where blockchain was introduced to transactive energy blockchain being itself a technology that has been around for some time and came to the world stage in 2009 when its first commercial application, Bitcoin, came to be. So in this 2014-2015 timeframe, these two technologies were put together and in combination, they seem to provide the two technologies that can underlie this future grid architecture. And those are the dots that have come together and connected the two early. And we have seen that the potential use cases and all sorts of things that can happen when you put these two technologies kind of explode. But we'll start there. Yeah, that's great. Well, I gave you the impossible task of uh, boiling the ocean there. So I apologize and, and nice work. So um, let, let's drill down a little bit more. Um, you know, when it comes to uh, what, what appeals to utilities um, about piloting, 
projects involving transactive energy and blockchain. What are what you mentioned use cases? What are some of those? So first, let's take a look at blockchain. So a blockchain architecture can be used to create a network with device level trust. And on this network, every interconnected asset on the blockchain would have a known, verifiable, and trusted identity that is exceedingly difficult to duplicate or forge. So with this first aspect of blockchain, we're already seeing some very complementary pieces to a distribution network on a utility grid. Now, secondly, once the foundation of device-level trust is in place, then you have the ability to add in smart contracts and distributed applications that are built into the blockchain architecture and can be used to automate systems or management processes to you know, create any outcomes that you're seeking, whether it's you know, grid automation or demand response or transactive energy. So when you first hear this description, right, it, it sounds disruptive, especially to the utility. Um, this network that's kind of overlaying on a distribution grid network that is you know, well over 100 years old. But if you take a step back and you look at the big picture, you know, blockchain is just a piece of this complex puzzle. Right, other parts of the puzzle that would be required to really drive these big disruptive changes that we're talking about include, you know, establishing pricing functions. Uh, it's making sure you have the right digital nodes out there, like smart meters, um, certain grid modernization functions and technologies, big data analytics, as well as control over the system if you are a system operator. So that's a little bit of the background. When we then delve into where companies and utilities are today around these blockchain use cases, you know, we see utilities and companies experimenting, you know, learning and piloting different aspects, either directly or in partnership in areas like the wholesale market, you know, simplifying the wholesale market processes, nomination, scheduling, transactions, settlements, and regulatory compliance of large bulk power system components. Other areas are some of the renewable markets. For example, in, in Europe, there is these European energy markets that allow renewable power generation to be documented and tracked and traded. So when you think about this environment, you know, an environment that has diverse stakeholders uh, operating, not knowing other trading partners, perhaps limited trust, lots of intermediate steps, high transaction costs, like this is the perfect set of conditions for an, a blockchain application. And we see this as a use case being explored. And other use cases are more futuristic, vehicle-to-grid solutions. So when you think about integrating electric vehicles as dispatchable assets into the grid, to you know, blockchain becomes an application that can leverage, track, and compensate the energy stored in those mobile batteries sitting inside that vehicle. Uh, that could be used for flexibility or demand response when the vehicle is parked and plugged in. We see use cases in meter registration and switching. You know, if you're a customer sitting there in a liberalized energy market where you get to choose your retail electric provider, the behind-the-scenes transactions that go into switching providers and tracking that and who's where and what products they're buying, that's a potential blockchain application. 
And then lastly, just circling back to transactive energy, transactive energy blockchain architecture is one of several of these transactive energy technologies that could play a role in enabling this two-way decentralized transaction model that we've been describing on the podcast. Right. Okay, great. Well, Josh, let's bring you into the conversation. Uh, I, I briefly uh, talked a little bit about uh, Opus One in the intro. Could you just take a minute and describe what you guys do and, and who you work with? Sounds great, Chris, and thank you for the opportunity again. So Opus One Solutions, we are an enterprise software uh, company, and we mostly work with electric power utilities. Uh, really, we see, as, uh, as Dan was saying, that the utility sector is going through a time of fundamental transformation. Uh, driven by megatrends like digitization and decarbonization and decentralization. So we, we see ourselves as the software partner with utilities in this time of transformation to enable them uh, to, to pursue the utility of the future. And essentially, there are three key parts to our ethos. Uh, number one is we are a grid-to-edge company. Yeah, we appreciate a lot of uh, momentum and drivers happening at the edge. But fundamentally, we want to transform or evolve the grid into a platform uh, to support the actions and the value that's happening at the edge. Uh, number two is we enable that transformation to happen via basically big data and advanced analytics, uh, specifically around power flow and optimization level of analytics. And last but not least is we don't just want to solve uh, grid type or technical problems or data problems. We see one of the biggest uh, challenges in this industry is one of strategic or business model based. So fundamentally, we take our grid based analytics and we use them to inform new business models and strategies for the electric power sector. Okay, great. That's a good, that's a really good uh, foundation. So let's take it a little bit further. Can you talk about how your grid OS platform kind of brings some of these different uh, strands together and, and how it kind of enables the, the concept of transactive energy in, in the real world? Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely. So first of all, let me just concur with, uh, with Dan regarding the, the definition of transactive energy. Uh, we, we operate very much similar to Navigant's definition as well, which is using economic and control mechanisms uh, to balance supply and demand, especially focused on those that are happening at the edge, including storage. So we see a, a, a massive transformation from what we call grid 1.0 to 2.0 to 3.0, 1.0 being basically a top-down one-way powerful grid, uh, 2.0 being the uh, increasing penetration of distrib distributed resources, leading to two-way power flow, increasing uh, 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 intelligence of the smart grid. And really 3.0 is taking uh, that's a two-way power flow and, and evolving from a direct control mechanism, such as what you would see in a, in a Durham's uh, solution, let's say, into a market-based or economic indirect control mechanism, very much like the, the bulk power system. So how can we take the value of energy to inform how distributed resources should operate? So uh, fundamentally with GridOS, which is Opus One's uh, software platform, we leverage this using model-based analytics. What I mean by model-based is three-phase AC unbalanced model of the grid, and we turn them, uh, that uh, digital twin into a common information model, and we run advanced analytics on top of that. Now, where transactive energy comes in is what we do with that model. And we take that model on, uh, on a journey of five key stages. Number one is really around visibility into the grid. So we were blind, now we can see things like power flow, voltages, currents, capacities, etc. Number two is around controlling what we can see. 
And number three is around optimizing that control. Uh, three-phase AC unbalanced security constraint optimization of that power flow. So what that uh, optimization brings is not just volvar optimization or conservative uh, voltage reduction, but really it unlocks the, the computation of the value of energy. If we look at the wholesale market, uh, uh, pricing on the wholesale market is calculated by optimization as well. So we are taking that uh, uh, that uh, uh, algorithm or that uh, philosophy down to the, to the distribution level to look at locational and temporal by time and by location, by place, uh, valuation of electricity. And that is the key to allow transactive energy uh, markets to happen. Again, going back to the definition, using the value of energy for uh, control and operation, no mechanisms. And that's really where Greater West comes in. Right, right. Well, you know, you have the benefit. Uh, there's been so much talk about pilots and, uh, you know, just almost uh, abstract thinking in a sense about transactive energy. But you have the benefit of having already been working with utilities in the U.S. to, to better understand transactive energy and microgrids in particular. What what are some tangible lessons that, that you've learned? I, I mean, then that could include what some of the the unexpected challenges might be, or or opportunities that perhaps you hadn't hadn't considered before, because you know once you once you uh, have have uh, an encounter with the real world world, things tend to change. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, as we always say, visions and ideas can be very common, but uh, making things real and making a, a business out of it, it's, it's different as well. So I would say number number one lesson that we we learned is that it works. We actually make it happen. Uh, we made it happen. And uh, our uh, transactive energy market with National Grid was uh, live as of last year. And we keep upgrading and learning learning lots from it. And we are now expanding beyond National Grid and New York Rev into Ontario, into our recent MRM project and, and many more projects that's uh, in the in the queue as well. So it, it's it's a reality. It's not a vision uh, anymore. But uh, And that vision is a big one. And we are step-by-step step creating into reality. I would say number two, uh, big lessons learned is transactive energy ten, can take many forms. And I think this is one of the biggest, I would say if there's anything I can leave behind in this podcast, that's a key message. And that is, it takes many forms. On one end of the spectrum, as we have started with National Grid, is the, the most advanced form of transactive energy, which is actual dynamic, same day and day ahead retail markets, locational uh, electricity that you can bid and offer on. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, uh, using economics for uh, uh, control, I would say non-wire solutions is actually a very uh, uh, doable form of transactive energy right now. It's appreciating the value of distributed resources, whether that's a storage or microgrid or demand response, to provide value back to the grid. So more of a longer term time frame uh, planning type of uh, transactive energy. In the middle is the, the real-time operational implementations, for example, advanced demand response, basically creating loca- uh, a price differentiation by, by location and by time of demand response, or evolution of feed-in tariffs and met- net metering. Uh, all of these are various forms of transactive energy. That's probably a second biggest lesson learned. Uh, third, I would say always go for threes. Uh, third, I would say is transactive energy is meant to be integrated. So number one is vertical integration from G to T to, to D to now retail and DERs. The other is uh, back to the many forms is horizontal integration from planning to operations to markets and business models. So these are three major lessons learned for us.
Oh, that's that's really great. Well, Dan, let's let's bring you back into the the conversation. You know, Josh just outlined a a number of lessons that that he's learned in some of the 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 work that they've been doing. What what have you observed uh, in terms of how either regulators or utilities or both are seeing um, and understanding transactive energy? Do they have as expansive of a perspective as as Josh just kind of outlined? Well, first off, Josh. I will have to say I wrote down a whole bunch of notes as you were talking, and uh, some of what you were describing, uh, I was uh, shaking my head right on. I mean, that that is it. I, I, I will start with, before I get to your question, Chris, I'll start with, uh, I love how upfront you talked about, you described yourselves as, you know, the software power, software partner to utilities, uh, helping deliver that utility to the future. Uh, and uh, to me, I, you know, I personally see, you know, bridging it back to the question you're asking, Chris, is like that is really right now at the core of of where utilities should be, in my opinion, in terms of understanding the technology. First off, um, you know, Josh, you and your organization have learned tremendous lessons by making it real, which I 100% agree is very important, right? Making it real out of the lab in a real world situation like you're operating in it in the case of New York up in Buffalo, with national grid. So when you take a step back and you look at, uh, you know, look around the industry, I think you see a big mix of, of where utilities and regulators are. Uh, a lot of what we're talking about here on the transactive energy side, blockchain transactive energy side, um, you know, it's in, in, in some cases, it's made um, really some, some good footing, some good progress, uh, non-wire alternatives, microgrid applications being some of them. And in some cases, uh, other grid edge techni- uh, grid edge based uh, transactive energy platforms are somewhat nascent. Great. Well, th- th- we've, we've, uh, we've mentioned Ameren a bunch of times already. So Josh, I want to bring you, uh, bring you back in and talk a little bit about, uh, about that project. It's gotten a lot of news coverage and it's certainly generating a lot of interest. Can you just kind of give us uh, give us the perspective of how you got involved with the project and and what Ameren's actually trying to achieve um, in the project? Great, so, uh, so, sounds good. So, so really, it goes back to how it started, and also Dan highlighted it. It's Opus One trying to be a, a partner with utilities as they navigate through, I would say, fairly complex market evolutions, customer evolutions, uh, regulatory reforms, etc. So, we started talking to Amron a, a while back, but really, I would say key drivers towards this project is twofold. Uh, number one is the Illinois uh, Future of Energy Jobs Act, uh, FIJA, that's uh, requiring. Uh, certain uh, areas of uh, the system to move towards more of a, a, a transactive, as, as how we would define it, but uh, more of a location value of electricity away from uh, net metering when certain penetration thresholds gets exceeded. So uh, legislation is, is one key factor. Uh, the other is the uh, the MISO, Mid-Continental ISO, being um, uh, uh, being more and more uh, progressive towards uh, uh, the DER space as well. And Ameren has been a, a phenomenal, innovative utility and very forward-focused as well. So our objective, I, w- I wouldn't speak on behalf of Ameren, but uh, 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 in our discussions, uh, our objective is really to look at um, uh, how to better understand the value that DERs can have uh, on the grid and tie that into planning, tie that into MISO, uh, tie it to their customer 
uh, strategy and allow them to maintain the, the reliability and resiliency of, of the grid as well. So OPS One's role is one, to navigate through these changes and this, uh, this strategy. And number two is provide uh, the software platform to enable it to happen. Right. Okay. So, and I've, I've read in, in some of the coverage that the, that the project has two phases. Um, is that correct, I guess, is the first question. And if so, can you give us some of the details about how Opus One will be involved with each of those phases? Mm-hmm. Well, it's two very high level phases, but I'm sure if you look at any project plan, you'll see more than two phases. But I would say the two phases really encapsulate the two major steps of achieving the objective of the strategy. Uh, the first phase is really one of simulation and planning. What that means is even, let's say, in National Grid's case, we have uh, made the market real. We have made it happen. It's live. You can transact on it. At the same time, what we recognize in Amaranth especially is that uh, there is a, a, a very much more um, uh, pressing and urgent need to plan. And when we talk about planning traditionally, is more of, let's say, planning for asset renewal, planning for expansion, capacity, asset management, etc. But now we are introducing a new function within the utility to plan for business model evolutions and how to engage DERs and prosumers and also the role that DERs uh, can, uh, uh, can have and can play on the uh, uh, rely, reliability, resiliency, and adequacy of the grid. So really focusing on taking transactive energy to planning. The second stage is now that we plan, we understand the impact of transactive energy, uh, let's make it happen. And so the second stage is really uh, how, what we call a, a real-time shadow market, meaning that uh, we are animating the market, but it's it's shadow, meaning that it's it's live, it's operational, but we are not yet uh, actually transacting monetary value on it, but we are running real-time scenarios of how it would happen uh, live. Right, right. You know, um, just just I want want you to go back to one one thing that you 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 said, and it's it's a I think it's a topic that's that's you know pretty pretty interesting uh, and and it's it's uh, exciting because when you talk about business model evolutions. I mean, I think that that's where a lot of people see see potential opportunity to to deliver value to meant to uh, to many stakeholders. And so, when you when you talk about business model uh, evolution in in this project, or just generally as it result as it revolves around transactive energy, what what kind of forms can that can that take? What what opportunities are there? Yeah, I, th- I think the, the temptation is to prescribe a certain business model, uh, especially at this time of market evolution. I think um, our approach to, to business model is more of one of a discovery. So understanding the true economics and needs and constraints and objectives of the grid, how can we surface these value to inform various business models? Uh, rather than, hey, let's choose one, let's bet on one, and, and let's make it happen right now, and that's it. So the business models that we are informing include that of uh, non-wire solutions, so long-term asset investments or optionality to asset investments. Another one uh, will be in rate design. 
So really, can this uh, inform where, let's say, a traditional feed-in tariff or net metering program would evolve over time? Another one is demand response, basically taking it from an auction or, or, or one, one uh, signal rules them all to uh, one that is actually tied to the locational needs of the grid by transformer or by, by feeder, etc. And then all the way to the business models of, of, of a complete DSO or distributed dis, uh, distribution system operator model, whereas uh, New York is contemplating under the, the distributed system platform, there will be a, a transactional fee and utility basically uh, um, uh, playing the, the broker or facilitating that marketplace to happen. Um, so there are many forms, and I think ultimately what Opus One wants to achieve is less surface to value and have a quality dialogue for, I would say, policy and regulatory making. Uh, and we are sure that TE or transactive energy will, will take place in many forms. Okay, Dan, let's get you back into this conversation. Um, what stands out to you about the uh, Ameren project? So listening to Josh, uh, you, you shared some interesting findings and, I, and, and interesting learnings. And one of the learnings that I was particularly interested in in what you were describing was how you describe the surfacing and discovery of business models. Uh, to me, that was very well put, right? Uh, as business models emerge from the application of these new technologies, we're finding originally maybe the discovery of a potential business model and then proof point to that business model, but it really doesn't end there. When we look within non-wire solutions, we have you know, the core of a business model, which is you know, deferral of utility uh, capital expenditures, but that's just really the beginning. And I, I love the way you put that. And another point, Josh, that you made that, that we've seen um, how kind of cross-planning they are. Um, the traditional uh, planning functions within a utility, which were designed more for that linear system, begin to you know, bump up against these cross-planning technologies. Uh, we've seen in states like New York, uh, the organizations of the utilities have begun to be changed and adapted to make a cross-planning element to it, whether it's called the Utility of the Future team or various teams, analytics teams. But uh, it addresses some of the needs that, that you're, you're finding, Josh, in, in, in your work with Emmer and in other utilities. Um, re really great findings. Thank you. Yeah, that, that's uh, just, just the sort of kind of uh, industry knowledge sharing that is obviously going to be necessary as we, as we move forward here, which, which uh, you know, I want to do, I want to get you both to weigh in a little bit on where you see all of this headed. But, but before I do, uh, Josh, can you just take a second and talk about how you're going to evaluate the project with Ameren, what, what any of the metrics are, what success look like? <laughs> I would say it's quite early to define metrics of success, largely because this is a, a discovery-driven approach. Um, and so I think the hypothesis is, uh, can we identify uh, value? I think uh, we are using a microgrid right now when we're running simulations on multiple fleet feeders. I think uh, the, the big, uh, I would say, success factor for us is, can we identify value, number one, and sufficient value 
and turn that value into a potential business model? And does the value make economic case? For example, can we mine more efficiencies um, out of that value than to, to set up the system in the first place? So what's the business case around that? So I think right now, uh, especially given it's a, it's a pilot or demonstration project, learning those lessons will be the biggest success factor. Right, right. Well, let's let's look a little bit further out. Um, it is still we're still at a point where there's a lot of pilots and a lot of discovery and um, and information sharing. Let's fast forward a bit and uh, get out uh, crystal ball. What what do you where do you see Josh? We'll start with you, and then uh, Dan. I want you to answer the same question. But where where is transactive energy headed and what is the ultimate promise of uh, of transactive and energy in in your in your view? Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for that. Well, especially in our opinion, um, we might be biased, but with all my I would say experience and engineering mind, uh, we do certainly see transactive energy in its various forms as being the end states of utility utility evolution. So. Right now, utilities are going through a time of, of uh, uh, previously I was actually asset renewal and uh, DER interconnections uh, for the past uh, five to 10 years or so, getting smarter and smarter with the smart grid. Now, I think the, the biggest trend driving forward uh, utility evolution is how uh, the utility can uh, transform its customer service model and its business model. And with that, it hits basically what Opus One's core mission uh, uh, is, which is achieving triple sustainability. Uh, number one sustainability is environmental sustainability, with especially driven by DERs and clean and green tech. Uh, second is technical sustainability. So can we connect or interconnect such DERs while maintaining uh, grid resiliency, reliability, quality, adequacy, etc.? And third is economic sustainability. And I think this is the last gigantic uh, modernization that needs to happen. And I would say in uh, putting on an engineer's, engineer's mind, um, uh, I think with that, we would have solved, I would say, the, the biggest questions that this uh, industry has to see. So we do see Transactive as the end state. And really what that means at the end of the game is uh, a win-win between uh, the utility and our market participants, a sustainable economic model. Right, great. Well, thanks for that. Dan, how about you? What do you see going forward? So what we see going on in the future is you know, a continued uh, push of the mega trends from decarbonization to decentralization to digitization, which ultimately drive you know, the, the number of nodes on a network like the, the power grid um, into you know the millions and, and billions and beyond. These you know control these resources to enable these resources to shift value back and forth between these resources. You know, there it takes some pretty you know in, incredible uh, leaps of technology to bridge that gap over the coming year and decade. And the combination between trend energy and blockchain that we see today is a combination of technologies that provides the promise of a technology that can support this future. You know, a future that will be more sustainable environmentally, more sustainable from an economic perspective, from a finance perspective, inclusive of customer-sided distributed asset owned assets, as well as uh, conducive to uh, artificial intelligence and other future technologies. So as we see the, the, the utility industry with most industries entering into this 
complex age, we see this as being a promising technology that can become a, a glue in the future to hold it together. Thanks, Dan. And I'd like to thank both you and Josh for a great conversation. We covered a lot of ground here today. And for me, a couple of things really stand out. One is that any idea I might have had that transactive energy is just one thing is now completely gone. But what also stands out is that that's not a bad thing. As we're all watching this dramatic transformation of the energy system to become more sustainable and distributed, there are going to have to be a lot of tools to ensure that it's done in a way that delivers value to consumers, new energy entrepreneurs, and utilities. We can see a version of what that can look like with the work Opus One is doing with National Grid and Ameren around blockchain and transactive energy. But the important thing is that the tools around transactive energy will continue to evolve along with the needs of the power system. And it's going to be fascinating to see how that all plays out. That's all the time we have today. Hope you'll join us for the next episode of Beyond the Electron.